0: Climate change is one of the most hotly talked about topics nowadays and with it, it is also the biggest adversity humanity is currently facing. We are at a tipping point for society whether we will or we won't take action. And if climate change does happen, which it is looking like it will, it'll most likely impact rural environments. But what about cities? Within them, there's something known as heat islands. They exist in an urban environment and with climate change being a major issue, How is it going to affect the heat islands and what exactly are they?
1: Urban heat islands are generally described as places that are hotter than their surrounding environments. And in Mm -hmm. this case, given that urban, the cities are hotter than their surrounding environments. So the city as a whole is considered to be several degrees warmer than the area immediately adjacent to it.
0: And what, what causes this?
1: Uh, so often it has to do with the way that the sun hits materials. Mm-hmm. And so when we build our cities, we build them out of roads and buildings. And all these materials have different levels of absorbing the sun's rays, which okay. come down as shortwave radiation, mm-hmm. very energy-filled little packets of, of light that come down. And the materials in cities absorb them and then hold on to them and don't let them go as quickly as, for example, forests. Forests absorb them and then turn... Mm-hmm the heat into sugars and then evapotranspire water and so buildings don't do that kind of a process and actually end up um, absorbing it and then letting it go overnight so an urban heat island is often an evening event Mm -hmm. and often it's hotter at night in the city than it is in the surrounding area
0: that's really interesting i never actually uh, thought of it that way i thought it had to do with um it was more well the like concrete and stuff would reflect it instead of actually absorb it Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
1: Yeah, re-emits it it back out. That's the thing. It's kind of trying to let it all go before the sun Mm -hmm. comes up again all through the night So as the outside temperatures cool down the building materials are trying to push it back out into the atmosphere and Often it doesn't happen in time for the other day to begin Mm -hmm. with the sun's rays starting to hit the building again And then it continues to absorb. So is
0: it almost an exponential effect or?
1: I'm not a thermodynamics person. <laughs> I, I like to think I am sometimes because the processes are really complicated, mm-hmm. but I don't know the rates at which okay. different materials. I know, suffice to say, that different materials absorb and release heat at different rates. For okay. example, if you think about cinder block or mm-hmm. brick, those absorb heat and retain it for a really long time, as opposed to like ply, like um, any of your drywall mm-hmm. and gypsum and things like that, that absorbs it, but then it
0: also dissipates mm-hmm. it really quickly. So you're a professor here on campus, and you do uh, research into urban heat loans. Do you mind telling us mm-hmm. a little bit about your research here? Sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Vivek
1: Shandes. I'm a professor of urban studies and planning at Portland State University. And um, much of what I do is really looking at the intersection of humans um, and landscapes, particularly those landscapes that we call human-dominated landscapes. So those are areas generally referred to as cities. Um, and I'm really interested in the feedbacks uh, between how humans shape their land and their landscapes and how those landscapes then come back and affect humans' health and well-being. So that kind of connection between what we do to the landscape and how the landscape does
0: to us, that's what I'm really interested in. That's awesome. That's that's really uh, interesting. Actually, I never really thought of that as a area of study but i mean there there's pretty much areas so many of study, areas of study. <laughs> right 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 and exactly
1: i just add to that that i run a research lab mm-hmm. called the sustaining urban places research lab and a lot of people would describe cities as really problematic places where there's a lot of pollution, Mm -hmm. light pollution, water pollution, air pollution, mental pollution, and that cities can really um, affect our health in negative ways. As more and more people in the world start living in cities, one of the big questions is, can cities help us live better um, lives every day? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm really interested in is trying to understand which cities, and our lab focuses on this, which cities and in what forms do those cities take in w- such that people can live healthier yeah. lives?
0: Are you actually able to tell us a little bit about uh, what cities are actually uh, healthier? Like, how does Portland compare to other cities?
1: Right. So, some of the biggest um, health impacts in cities are transportation related. Mm-hmm. Not surprisingly, people often people die of transportation related uh, fatalities in a variety of different ways and car crashes being one of the most prominent of them in the U.S. Um, There's also people getting hit by cars, Mm -hmm. there's bicycles or walkers, etc. And so that's a big thing. So places that tend to have a lot more uh, people moving in public Mm -hmm. transit, Mm -hmm. for example, that can not only increase the amount of walking people do, which is a healthy um, activity to do, especially if you're, you're in an area that isn't heavily polluted with air or, or or have high levels of air pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that's also is the quality of, generally the quality of environment that people live in, which is where I spend most of my time. If an area gets flooded a lot, mm-hmm. if an area gets uh, a lot of these heat waves that come through, if there's um, persistent levels of of uh, water contamination of some kind, like we've seen in parts of the Midwest in the last couple of years with lead. Um, Those are major issues that can cause trouble in cities. And when you have so many people living in one place, one small germ can also have a profound effect on large communities. Mm -hmm. Um, So part of the healthiest place, part of what I've seen is some of the healthiest places are places that have an incredibly well-designed transportation system, well-regulated water provision Mm -hmm. and stable supply of water, places that have enabled the support of multiple modes of transportation, um, and certainly places that have kept a keen eye on all the kind of impacts from climate change Mm -hmm. and various other environmental stressors that could affect communities. So I would point immediately to a lot of the uh, cities, for example, in, in Northern Europe, which are often the quintessential cities that are well-designed, mm-hmm. well-planned. Though I'd also put a shout-out to a lot of cities that I've traveled to in Asia, mm-hmm. in, particularly in Southeast and South Asia, um, where my family's from, in South Asia. Part of what I've seen is just kind of this functional anarchy of cities. Okay. Everything seems to happen. People seem to live long, healthy, full lives, though it just doesn't, on first blush, look like a highly... Uh, Mm well-designed place. And in many cases, it might have been haphazardly designed. Nevertheless, people still figure out a way to get along and do their things and live
0: reasonably healthy lives. Actually, I have a couple of uh, questions for this. First of all, uh, so London actually, or the center of London banned a lot of cars with the exception of taxis, buses, and then cars who buy permits. Do you think that might be benefiting the city or potentially hurting it from like an economic standpoint?
1: Right. This is an area way out of my pay Mm -hmm. league because I do work in um, environmental things and less in transportation. And the Mm -hmm. funny way the university is set up is we all get binned in these little tiny areas of expertise and transportation, while I have a lot of colleagues who work on Mm -hmm. that, is not one of my areas of expertise. Um, though I could wax about it uh, on the yeah. side if you, if you so no, wish. Well why not? Okay, why not? good. I can always talk about stuff, no problem. Yeah. So when you're banning a lot of cars from a place, you immediately see that that place's air pollution improves. Mm-hmm. And so from my point of view, I'm looking at it from what is immediately under our yeah. noses and what we're breathing every day. So if you're limiting the number of cars that are coming through, you're likely getting greater amount of... Uh, mobility, Mm -hmm. and you're not getting a lot of congestion, which leads to idling, which leads to more pollutants that are located in a very specific area, which leads Mm -hmm. to more exposure of those communities that are immediately adjacent to those idling cars. And you end up getting that kind of mm, pretty intense effect of um, more cars and more people being unhealthy. On the flip side of banning cars from a particular area, that can often be a very health- Benefit because you're immediately seeing that air pollution improve Mm -hmm. air pollution is remarkably localized particularly um, When you think about those areas immediately adjacent to freeways and things like that where people are getting doused on all Night and all day long and if they open their windows because it's hot all that pollution immediately comes in Um, so as you're banning cars I think it, people might be upset because they're not able to access places they have historically, so it's a cultural, social mm-hmm. issue. Though if I were to say anything about it, it would probably be that um, from the environmental point of view, um, reducing the amount of car movement in cities is one of the best things we could do for our own health and well-being.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, um, and actually quite a lot of cars these days are Uh, partial zero emission vehicles so they shut off their engines at certain times Mm -hmm. and i notice even going over bridges it says uh when the bridge is up uh please turn Turn off off your your engine engine. so that way you're not idling and creating pollution right right i hope you've been enjoying the episode so far we're taking a quick break here to give some announcements uh next week well There isn't going to be a next week, there will be a couple of weeks. Uh, We are going on holiday break, but do not worry, right before Christmas comes out, we will be releasing a holiday special co-hosted by Anthony Montez. We'll be talking about capitalism, uh, Christmas traditions around the world, and our favorite Christmas movies. But besides that, uh, make sure to check out our other episodes on Spotify and iTunes, as well as checking out our website, psuvanguard.com. There you can find news articles, as well as a new news show uh, called Vanguard News, which is actually also hosted by Anthony Montez. Well, that is all for this quick little break. I hope you've been enjoying the episode, and now back to the action. Going back to what you said about the Northern European countries, um, mm-hmm. I know that you focus on kind of the environmental aspect, but these, histor- these older historical cities, um, I guess, London, uh, Barcelona, mm-hmm. which weren't, I guess, planned very well, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, do you think it is harder to reduce the, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, environmental impact of the heat islands in those kind of cities versus ones that are newer?
1: Wow, that's a tough one. Um, so much of what we're learning about urban heat has to do uh, has emerged only in the last about twenty years, mm-hmm. and it's from a research point of view, it's an entirely new area. And while we've had some preliminary studies of urban heat going back to the fifties and even the nineteen eighties, it really started taking off in the mid eighties, uh, early nineties, and twenty years later now we're seeing. Uh, another big growth mm-hmm. of this. And so one of the things that's coming up in this heat research is um, the role that urban form, which is mm-hmm. what you're describing, these older cities, mm-hmm. the role that urban form plays on the distribution of urban heat. And um, I we I mean, I, I think I can generally say a lot of urban um, the localizing mm-hmm. of temperatures, and we found differences in temperature upwards of twenty degrees Fahrenheit from one yeah. part of a city to another at the same time. And one of the things we can attribute that to is uh, not necessarily old or young, it's kind of what complexity of mm-hmm. features were occurring okay. in that landscape. And complexity, I do mean in the classic Jane Jacobs kind of way, that we see a lot of difference. So we mm-hmm. see tall buildings next to short buildings. We see trees next to driveways. We see okay. uh, sidewalks um, uh, that are lighter colored, sidewalks that are darker colored. Mm-hmm. We see different forms of road networks. Um, we see parks and commercial areas and and single family residential. We see a real mix of things in areas. By and far, the things that really drive heat are the size of buildings. So older okay. neighborhoods sometimes have smaller buildings, at least in the uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. in Europe, older buildings also tend to be very um, kind of bunched together. Mm-hmm though what's really interesting about a lot of European designs is that they've created these perimeter block buildings where you have a city block and on the edge of the block is where the building is and on the inside is often a green space okay. or a communal area because at the time they didn't have cars and yeah. they would kind of bring their horses or what have you into that communal area and so the perimeter is where the actual building resides oh, that's really interesting. and it turns out in our modeling work that we've done with Urban Heat we've mm-hmm. actually found that to be one of the cooler meaning literally temperature cooler not like whoa that's cool but temperature cooler kinds of designs for cities and it's interesting when um i'm thinking about that in terms of the age of the Mm -hmm. building and 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 the block and so it's not so much the older it's more kind of what how big the building is and what kind of um greenery is there is a Mm -hmm. big because green shades often and it evapotranspires and so there's a double benefit from having greenery in the spaces um And I think last, uh, not least, it also has to do with that difference in building Mm -hmm. height. It allows the air to move a little bit more um, easily, Mm -hmm. which when you have air movement, especially cooler air, you tend to cool off the
0: buildings um, quicker. So something you've actually talked about uh, is building materials, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I've done a little bit of preliminary research into green roofing Mm -hmm. and uh, kind of how that actually helps reduce this impact. green roofs are a great way to well i guess help uh, ecological or the environment uh, in an easy way but also solar roofing is another huge aspect Mm -hmm. especially with electricity consumption how would you or are would it be better to go for a green roof or a solar roof or and how do solar roofs actually impact the uh, urban heat environment
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting questions i've gotten all of those from various talks around so you have done your research i can tell um so there was a project i, I wasn't involved with with an engineer a biologist and a building sciences mm-hmm. person who um engineer was interested in green was interested in um uh solar panels the Biologist was interested in green roofs and the building science person was interested in how to kind of put green roofs on buildings Mm -hmm. and um, What what they were really interested in is couldn't we have a green and solar roof? Mm -hmm. Because as it turns out as solar panels get hotter, they become less efficient Mm. And so what you want to do is try to cool the solar panel And if you have greenery around the solar panel that could actually evapotranspire cooling the solar panels and thereby keeping efficiency high. And so instead of an either or that was a a proposal
0: that they looked at and really did find some Mm -hmm. pretty compelling results. That's uh, actually that is really interesting but well Tesla or uh, uh, SpaceX one Mm -hmm. of the two uh, Mm -hmm. introduced the idea of like an actual solar roof like solar panel Mm -hmm. tiles and all of that. In that instance using a green roof wouldn't actually be as effective Mm. because you can't really have both. Mm, um, right. But no, having uh, solar panels and the green roof combined is actually. You could very, put the solar cool. panels, you could put the solar panel tile here surrounded
1: by green roof tiles, yeah. another solar panel here surrounded. And so no, that's, that's, it's a design
0: question, right. then, right? Exactly, it is a design question. Um, but Going off of the green roofs and reducing the impact. What are actually some things that we can do to reduce our impact on the uh, heat island and mm-hmm. uh, Larger I guess climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big question um, for heat island. It's interesting. There's a lot of research
1: on um, Putting trees in mm-hmm. and that's been an area. We've been spending a lot of time on um, Trees as I was saying earlier can can Uh, provide shade they can also take that energy and turn it into humidity which uh, relative humidity as you increase the temperatures you're actually kind of cooling down Mm -hmm. the area sometimes you get those misters in hot area hot dry places trying to do the same thing um, and also land on your skin and evapotranspire and help you feel cool trees are doing a lot of the same thing Um, that's an immediate solution in places like southern california arizona trees are a really hard bargain because often i'm hearing from. Planners that they're planting the trees and 50% of them die because they're just not getting enough care. So the combination of getting good care for these planted trees, uh, which requires water, which requires pruning, which requires the standard maintenance, particularly when it's first put into the ground, those sometimes can be really challenging Mm -hmm. for a lot of communities. Um, So in those cases, we're talking about green facades on buildings. Buildings are one of those places where you can put relatively easy coverings mm-hmm. on them. Um some people are concerned about what it does to the building um materials itself, whether okay. you have to replace yeah. it and repaint it and things like that. And some of the research that I've seen coming out says yes, that may be true though you're also reducing the heat stress on those surfaces mm-hmm. which also increase their longevity. And so there's a various ways you can cut this yeah. cut this cake. Um, and so so greening is one clear option. Another angle is, of course, to bounce it back. Mm-hmm. And so you can do that through lightning roofs and things like that that many communities are using. A study that's just about to come out in the American Meteorological Society, not that you or your listeners would necessarily be interested in this, but I just want to mention is people talked about covering roadways mm-hmm. white. And when you look at the actual surface temperature of a yeah. white white surface, it's actually pretty low Mm -hmm. it's bouncing majority of that solar radiation back though if you measure it just above the white surface and you take a little temperature um, thermometer basically Mm -hmm. and run it along about two feet or uh, maybe even six feet between two and six feet above all that radiation during the day is bouncing back and as you walk across that white surface while your feet may not be hot the air air surrounding you would be incredibly hot. In fact, it would be many degrees hotter than the areas that aren't white where the black surfaces are already absorbing all that heat. So the energy has to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So as we bounce it away from our places, it's still going back into the atmosphere.
0: And so that leads to the bigger question Mm -hmm. you asked about climate change. Yeah, and actually kind of moving on to that, Mm -hmm. how are urban heat islands both affecting climate change and actually being affected by it?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question too. Um, One of the challenges with urban heat is that it's all trapped on a planetary level And so it's not just cities that are getting this. It's the Mm -hmm. crops. It's the oceans It's all the areas uh, in the tundra that are melting really fast. So we have a global phenomenon. The only thing um, cities do is they absorb that heat and they re-emit it at night and try to get rid of it Mm -hmm. and while All the energy is going to stay pretty constant on a planetary level. Those cities that are able to bounce a lot of that heat back Mm -hmm. are going to, by design, stay cooler. Um, The trick between uh, climate change and urban heat on the other side is that with increasing temperatures, we have more moisture in the air, we have more hurricanes or Mm -hmm. stronger hurricanes, and we also have a lot more heat trapped in the atmosphere. And when you have a lot of heat trapped in the atmosphere, that energy has to move somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? And so you get lots more heat waves, you get lots more intense heat waves, and you get longer duration heat waves. And so what that ends up doing is affecting the places where most people live. Heat waves can affect forests, and you can see forest fires emerge because they become really really, uh, dry and like any dry kindling it can light really fast and so forests have an effect of course crops are affected because long heat wave and crops they're not getting enough moisture they're going to wilt unless you have access to a lot of water Mm -hmm. Um, and then in cities where the majority of humans live the heat waves longer duration that is basically getting people to run their acs harder so this is the ironic thing Mm -hmm. right you can i can stay cool in this building because we have an hvac system that blows cool air through those vents when it gets hot that energy has to come from somewhere, so we're burning fossil fuels in many cases to get that energy to cool our inside, uh, insides of our buildings, and that fossil fuel burning is leading to more trapped heat in the mm-hmm. atmosphere. So we have a really complex feedback again that is helping us cool insides. Though heating up the outsides, which are causing greater intensity, greater duration, and more in, uh, um, more frequent heat waves, which are causing greater burning.
0: So you, this, and this actually, is where it gets a little tricky. Beyond that as well, the HVAC systems uh, are... Often run off of electricity, which uh, then power mm. fans, and of course electricity uh, generates heat. Mm-hmm. So as those fans are running, it themselves are oh, creating heat. Right, right, right. So it's uh, creating an even larger feedback loop. Yeah. Um, just I have kind of one last question okay. here. Um, California has been hit by large amounts of wildfires, and you mentioned that that uh, this trapped atmospheric heat can cause that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the wildfires are actually getting close to cities and with uh, the materials um, actually absorbing that heat, how is that going to further, I guess, perpetrate the current problem?
1: Oh, perpetuate the current problem. So is this the, um, so thinking about cities in relation to wildfire? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Right. So part of the, the part of the question I would take it as there's cities adjacent to large tracts of forest like we Mm -hmm. have in the West Coast and there's huge forests and there's a city that would be either nestled in there or abutting it. And there's numerous ways in which the hotter temperature from the cities affect those trees that are immediately adjacent Mm -hmm. to it. We've also found that... um, trees in cities can endure a lot of stress from this heat so you think about putting a tree down and that mm-hmm. tree is going to shade you turns out that tree is also really hot and that the, a lot of the trees for example in the pacific northwest they aren't evolved to be in these temperatures yeah. and so we're seeing a lot of failures of tree limbs and things mm-hmm. like that and trees telling us that they are not doing well uh in the pacific northwest in california a big issue becomes with the availability of water and so if you're watering less and you have urban heat trees in the city are going to be the hardest hit and they're okay. likely going to have the greatest failure in terms of um, life and death yeah um, they're going to lose their ability to pull water they're not going to be able to move water as efficiently and they're going to end up showing that they're not doing well um, so yeah the wildfires are in many ways connected right to heat uh, connected right to heat as are a lot of the impacts from the urban, in the in the cities because
0: of urban heat as well. Okay, that that is all fascinating information. I knew very little about this subject, and mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting subject. And I'm Great. glad it's starting to grow, and we are studying these impacts because I mean, yeah. climate change is upon us. Is upon us, and mm-hmm. uh, we need to take action now. But thank you so much, uh, Vivek, for yeah. coming on. It was Happy an absolute too. pleasure chatting with you. Thanks today. for
1: your very careful questions. It's clearly done a lot of thank research, you. You. and I'm glad you. that
0: you're getting the word out about this stuff. Thank you so much for our listeners for tuning in. We will be back with more of our normal content after the holiday break. Remember, we will have a special holiday episode premiering in a couple of weeks. But that has been all, and this has been Situational Significance. Thank you.